Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Well, good morning. Great to see everybody this morning. Welcome to everyone watching online and people watching on Spectrum Cable. Certainly glad that you are with us here today. We're continuing our sermon series called Cry Babies. Uh, We've been going through the book of Malachi. Every summer, uh, we take a book of the Bible, we go all the way through it, and we're going to be up to Malachi chapter 2, verse 17. Malachi 2, 17. If you can't find Malachi, it's the last book of the Old Testament. Just Find Matthew and go back, and you'll find it right there. Uh, So now the book of Malachi is kind of interesting. It's set up with kind of a rhythm where God will say something to the people. The people will always whine and say it's not true, and then God will show them how it's true. And we see it over and over again uh, with the people. If God said, I love you. They say, how have you loved us? God showed them that. So over and over again, we have this kind of rhythm in the book of Malachi. And that's going to be continuing on today. As I said, we're going to be over Malachi chapter 2, verse 17 through chapter 3, verse 6. So let's have a prayer as we get started. Father, we thank you for your word as we look into it now. Open our hearts and minds. Help us to see its truths. And then, Father, to live accordingly. And in Jesus' name we pray it. Amen. Well, has anybody here ever looked at the world before and thought, this place is crazy? (laughs) Has anybody ever looked at the world before and never thought that? I mean, we all think that when we look at the world. So if you want to know, okay, the world's gone crazy. What can I do? Where can I go that I can find good, reliable, accurate information? We know the place to go is to the media, right? Because they're always going to steer us right. So I found four examples of that that uh, I think are really going to help you and point out how that's so true today. Here's the first one. Bugs flying around with wings are flying bugs. If you're taking notes, you might want to write that down. If it's flying and has wings, it's a flying bug. Here's the second one. Federal agents raid gun shop and find weapons. Who'd have thunk it? You know, right there. Here's a third one right here. Breathing oxygen linked to staying alive. Again, literally true. No, it is. It is. And then the one that I love the best is this one. We hate math, say four in ten, a majority of Americans. Obviously, they were a part of that four uh, that was doing that at that particular time. Well, when we look in the book of Malachi today, we're going to see a people who look at the world and say the world doesn't make any sense anymore. And their problem they're having is what we often call the classic problem of theodicy. And that's this. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why are bad people getting ahead? Where's the God of justice? And so this morning, we're going to look at God's interaction with the people in Malachi's day with this age-old question and how God's going to tell them their own lifestyles were contributing to the injustice that they were seeing in the world. So let's look over in the book of Malachi, chapter 2, verse 17. And the first thing we see is this. The world often looks like a place where evil wins and there is no justice. The world often looks like a place where evil wins and there is no justice. Look at verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? By saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. Or where is the God of justice? 
And so we see this rhythm we were talking about earlier getting started here. God says to the people, you've wearied me with your words. In other words, what God is saying is, I'm getting tired of you whining and complaining all the time. That's basically what God is saying to him here. All you do is whine. All you do is complain about everything. I'm getting tired of it. Now, whenever God tells the people anything in the book of Malachi, they always respond with, we're not doing that. And so they say, well, how have we wearied you? How are we getting on your nerves? You know, they sound like a a preschooler or something, although our preschoolers are pretty articulate there or something like that. You know, uh, stop whining. Yeah, they're whining. You know, that's kind of what they're sounding like here in the book of Malachi. And so then God goes on and tells him, okay, let me give you two examples of your whining. And both have to do with injustice in the world. Both have to do with why are bad things happening to good people? Why is there so much injustice? And the first was this. You're saying all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he's pleased with them. Now, that's, that's some pretty rough language there, what the people are saying towards God, because basically what they're saying is this. We look at everything bad going on in the world, and if you're an all-powerful God, you must be approving of it and like it, or it wouldn't be going on. That's exactly what they're saying. It's your fault. If there's bad things in the world, God, it's your fault. All who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, because you could stop it if you wanted to, and you're not stopping it, so you must approve of it. And then the second one is just like it. Well, where then is the God of justice? If God's a God of justice, then how come all these bad things are happening? So that's kind of the scenario that's going to set up everything that's going to be talked about next. God says, I'm tired of your complaining. They say, we're not complaining. How are are we complaining? Because you're saying evil always triumphs. God must justify evil. So as we look into that, it's really interesting because today we have the same problem they did in Malachi's day. Today, we can look at the world around us. We can pick up any newspaper, go online, and we immediately think, man, it's a crazy world. Look at everything going on out there. Look at all the injustice, all the bad things. How come God's not doing something? Uh, you look at something like the Uvalde shooting, and you think, why wasn't, where was God? Why wasn't something going on? How come those children weren't saved in that instance? I read a story this week out of Ukraine where uh, the Russian military had sent a, a missile uh, 200 miles inland where there was no fighting at all. People were just in a marketplace. They, they, they uh, coordinated the marketplace, went in, killed everybody in the marketplace, all these little kids and everything else for absolutely no reason at all. And you say, you look at that evil and you think, where's God? Why isn't God doing something? How come God isn't responding? And it's not just in major things. Sometimes we even do it with little things uh, that happen in our life. We think it's not fair. You know, you hear that all the time. Uh, the other day, uh, they're working on Interstate 71. I live in Crestwood, and uh, they're three-laning now, 71 from uh, Snyder all the way out to Crestwood and then ultimately to LaGrange because they want to make sure I can never drive on the interstate again for the next five or six years. And so uh, the other day, I had a long day at work, you know, got here at 11, leaving at 1230, something like that, you know. I, I was exhausted, you know, and uh, so I thought, well, I'm going to take 71 home. Got on 71. As soon as I hit 71, it was completely stopped. And I began to think, God, why are you doing this to me? Why don't you love me? You know, why did you let me pull on this interstate when I never go the interstate anymore? And I really felt persecuted, you know, because I pulled out on that interstate. Where's the God of justice? Why is he not doing something? And so we look at life and we often ask the exact same question they did in Malachi's day. That brings us to the next thing that we see. God sees the evil that is in the world and he's going to come to judge it. 
He sees the evil in the world, and he's coming to judge it. Let's look at chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. He says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to this temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. And then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness, and the offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. So the people were whining, where's the God of justice? And in verse 1 of chapter 3, God says, look, uh, I see, I know, and I'm coming to judge. I'm going to send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Now, in the New Testament, New Testament writers use this verse as a prediction of the coming of John the Baptist. Uh, but, but in our context, it's I'm, God is preparing the way. He sees what's going on. He knows what's going on, and he's coming to judge it. He said, God will suddenly appear in the temple. The, the Lord you are seeking is going to show up. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. So that ought to give us some encouragement. God sees everything going on in the world, all the things you think are unfair, all the things you're thinking, why God, isn't God doing something? God sees it, God knows, God cares, and God is going to judge it. But then verse 2 comes along, and verse 2 is entirely different than the people expected or the people wanted. Because what happens in verse 2 is that God says, okay, you're looking for the God of justice, you want me to come and judge the world, I'm coming to do it, why don't I start with you? Ouch. That's not what they expected. Look at verse 2, verse 2 of our scripture. Who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? So you want me to come? I'm coming. Who's going to endure it? You're not. Who's going to stand? You're not when I come. All of us mess up. All of us are sinners. All of us never get it right at one time or another. God knows that, and he says, you're whining for justice. You're whining for me to show up, so I'm going to come, and I'm going to judge. And it's going to start with you. Now, the problem we have with that is this. We think God's judgment is about punishment that God's coming to punish us. And so I've messed up, now God's after me, and he's going to really get me. I told you uh, before uh, uh, the story about a girl I used to date in college, and I picked her up for a date one time. She had a big knot on her head, and I said, what happened? And she said, I was trying to get ready uh, before you got here, and I ran into the bathroom door, and now I've got this big knot on my head, and I've been trying to think, what did I do wrong today that that happened? And I said, you didn't hit your head on that door because you did something wrong. If God hit you on the head every time you did something wrong, you'd have bumps all over your head. We didn't go out much after that. I never, I never really understood uh, what happened after that. But somehow we think, okay, I did something wrong. God's coming to judge me. But he goes on in verse 2, and he tells us the, the reason for his judgment of his own people. And God's talking to his own people here. Look at the end of verse 2. He will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will set as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Now, in those two things, he gives two illustrations, and the illustrations tell us what God's judgment is about for his people that he's bringing here. 
And the first is it's like a refiner's fire. Now, what was a refiner's fire? That's when you took uh, the, 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 uh, the, the gold and the silver, uh, you, you set a high fire, uh, you've got them burning, it melted down, and then all the impurities flowed to the top. It's called the dross. And then you could scoop all the dross off, and all you had left was pure gold and pure silver. And so God's saying, look, I'm coming because you're not living the way I want you to live. Your life is less because of it, and I want to refine you. I want to take the bad things in your life and bring it to the surface and you admit that they're there and then I want to scoop them off so that you're pure again. Then the second example he gives is of a launderer's soap. So you've got a shirt and it's really dirty and stinky and he said, okay, what I want to do is I want to wash that shirt and make it clean again. So the purpose of the judgment isn't to punish them. The purpose of the judgment is to get them to live their best life and the way that they should be living for God's kingdom. You know, sometimes we think the purpose of God's law is to keep us in line. We've got all these laws in the Bible. God's trying to keep us in line. That's not why you have the laws in the Bible. The laws in the Bible are trying to show you the best way to live so that you can have the best life ever. And they're there for one reason. God loves you and wants the best for you. So when you choose a different way, when you choose your own way or you follow the world instead of following God's word, you've chosen a lesser way. It ends up hurting you. It hurts the people around you. And God loves you too much to let you continue on hurting yourself and hurting others. And so he wants to refine you and he wants to cleanse, cleanse you. And then at the end of verse 3 and verse 4, he makes it very clear this judgment is not about punishment. He says at the end of verse 3, Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness. The offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by as in former times. I want to make you righteous and acceptable again. That's the whole purpose of it. That's what God is doing here. So we can get down in the weeds and say, Oh, you know, I've done something wrong and God's not happy. But what it really comes down to is God saying, No, I want you to live the best way and I want your life to be the best and I'm willing to do anything. To bring you to that place and that brings us to the last thing that we see in our scripture passage we are quick to judge others but slow to see our own shortcomings we're quick to judge others but slow to see our own shortcomings so the people in malachi's day said okay look at all this bad stuff why aren't you doing something god says okay i'll i'll come and judge and i'm going to start with you they didn't want to hear that and then he goes on and says okay you don't think you deserve it you think you're such good people why don't I put you on trial? Look at verses 5 and 6. So I will put you on trial. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless, who deprive the foreigners among you of justice, but do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. So God comes and says, okay, you think you're so good and you don't have any problems. Why don't I put you on trial? How would you like it if God showed up and said, hey, I'm here to put your life on trial right now? How many of us would go, oh man, that's great. I'm probably going to get the gold medal of Christianity after this trial. God is going to be so happy when he looks at my life. And how many of us would say, Woo, this is not going to be good. This is not going to be good at all. But not only is he putting us on trial, 
in verse 5. He says, I've got an expert eyewitness against you. And guess who the expert eyewitness against us is? God himself. Because God is all-seeing and all-knowing. I'm going to put you on trial. I'm going to testify against you. Woo! That's not good. He's judge, jury, prosecutor, and executioner. Is the court stacked against us? You know, as you think about it. So he says, okay, I'm going to come and I'm going to put you on trial. And then what he does is he lists a, a, a series of things the people were doing that were wrong, that he was condemning them for. Now, this is not an exhaustive list. If it was today, it would be a different list, maybe, of, of problems that we have. It might be some of the things on this very list. But it, it's just trying to get the people to see, these are things that you're doing. You don't think you're doing anything wrong. Let me tell you some of the stuff you're doing. First, he says, I testify against sorcerers. And we say, well, at least we don't have that problem. We don't have sorcerers around uh, any longer. Did you know last year in the United States, $2.5 billion dollars was spent on psychics. $2.5 billion. He not only says uh, sorcerers, though, he goes on, he says adulterers, perjurers, uh, people who lie in court, those who defraud laborers of their wages, unfair business practices. People who have unfair business practices. Where's the God of judgment? Are you treating your employees fairly? Oh, well, I didn't want to get into that. I wanted you to judge these other people here or something like that then he goes on and he says people who oppress the widows and the orphans uh, that are there people who take advantage of those uh, who can't take care of themselves people who deprive foreigners of justice who don't treat them as as, as equal people that are loved and cared for uh, by their heavenly father and he said why do people do these things the end of verse five they do them because they don't fear me they think I'm never going to show up. They think I'm never going to judge. But I see, I care, and I am showing up, and I am going to judge. And so, again, we come back to the point here. Okay, we need to understand it's not just about other people. Are we looking at our own lives? Where are the skeletons in our own closet, and what are we doing about them? And then he ends, and he tells us, look, again, this isn't about punishment. Look at verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, have not yet been destroyed. He says, look, I am a God of love and I am a God of grace. I'm also a God of justice and fairness. And when my people come to me and ask forgiveness, I will forgive, I will restore, I'll, I'll refine you and take all of that bad stuff away. I'll wash you clean, but you've got to come and you've got to be willing to get it done. You've got to look at your own life and admit your own sins, and then we can start and really begin to change the world. Saw an interesting story in the paper this week. A guy by the name of David Blackman, a self-professed drug dealer in Fort Walton Beach, Florida, uh, was in a store, came out, and his car had been robbed. And in his car, uh, he had all of the cocaine that he was about to sell throughout Fort Walton Beach. And so if your car has uh, been broken into and stuff stolen, what do you do? He called the police. And so the police show up and he said, man, you don't understand what happened here. I had all of this cocaine I just bought and I was going to sell it throughout the, the neighborhood and that's how I was going to pay my rent this month. It's all been stolen and you all need to do something about it. So the police search his truck here. 
They find one bag of cocaine that had fallen out and drug paraphernalia, and guess what the police did? They arrested him. Now, who would have thought when you call the police because your cocaine's been stolen, they would arrest you? You don't ever see it coming back on yourself. Oh, where's the God of justice? Why is he not doing something? Okay, let me start with you. So what do we do about it if God starts with us? And why does he start with us? Because we're his people. We're the ones that were supposed to know better and be doing it anyway. And so he wants to get us where we need to be so that the rest of the world can have an impact from our lives. But if we're just caught in the mess like the rest of the world, we can't have any kind of impact. We just, we just like everyone else as we go through the world. God doesn't want that for us, and he doesn't want it for his world and for his kingdom. So what do we do about it? The first thing we need to do about it is that we need to be willing to let God refine us and clean us. You've got to be willing to have a time where you sit down and you look at your life and you really acknowledge the things that are there that aren't pleasing to God. That's hard for people to do sometimes. It's hard to sit down and say, look where I messed up, look what I'm doing wrong, look how I'm hurting other people. It's hard to do that, but we need a time of looking at ourselves and being honest with where we're at. Then if you see things that aren't pleasing, that are hurting other people, that are hurting yourself, you need to stop doing them. That's called repentance. And then you can come to God and ask for forgiveness. And if you come to God and ask for forgiveness, that's where verse 6 comes in. Look, why are you still here? You're still here because, yes, I'm a God of fairness and justice, but I don't change. I'm still the guy that loves you and forgives you. And that's what I want to do. The only reason any of this is coming upon you is because I want you to acknowledge your life, that you're hurting yourself and others, and I want you to make a difference. I want you to step it up a little bit. So what do we do? God, I've looked at my life. I'm coming to you. I need your forgiveness. And we come and we give ourselves to him. Justice is from a God who cares and loves. And when we look to him, we'll find forgiveness each and every time. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Help us now as we go out to look at our lives and to live it according to your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword MyWRBC. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.